Welcome to the Ministry Focus Worship Essentials Podcast. This podcast will focus on looking into biblical standards of worship and how it applies to us as the body of Christ, as well as talking about issues involving worship in today's church. I'm your host, Brian Foster. Let's talk worship. As we begin today's podcast, uh, our Weekly devotion comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, where the word of God says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it, if thou therefore wilt worship me, All shall be thine. Now, this is one of the most incredibly strange stories in the Bible. After 40 days of fasting, Jesus goes with Satan up to a high place and looks over some land. Satan offers him the land and control of it if Jesus will only worship him. Here are the facts in that moment. Jesus is God. He knows he's God. And he knows that all this land and control are his anyway. He made it. He also knows that Satan gets destroyed in the end. So why would the enemy take such a flimsy offer? Or why would the enemy uh, make such a flimsy offer? Here's what the enemy knew in that moment. Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% man. He was challenging the humanity of Jesus, not his deity. If he could get uh, if he could just get Jesus, who was already weakened from the 40 day fast to break, Satan knew Jesus's potential would forever be weakened. God had a master plan for Jesus that included saving the whole world. If there was any way Satan could bring an end to this mission, then in his mind, humanity could forever be separated from God. The enemy is determined to distract you from your life mission by distracting your heart away from God. Satan realizes this is a long shot that you would fully deny Jesus and worship him. But if he can take your eyes off God, then he can derail you from your future. And he's not quite as obvious as he was with Jesus. He doesn't walk up and introduce himself. He just picks away at your weaknesses like he did with Jesus in this hungry state. He taps into your loneliness and shows you a tantalizing relationship that looks and feels right on the surface, but it is not. Your greed gets challenged when an opportunity to make a lot of money presents itself, but it might not be totally above board. In your insecurity and heartbroken state, a substance that helps you feel good is within reach, but it slowly slowly alters your mind. In essence, you are standing on a mountain with the enemy, and he is offering you the land, control of your own life, your own body, your own mind. If you answer yes, the payoff is immediate and awesome. The effect, however, is a dismantling of the future God has in store for you, a journey into a future where your best life is revealed. So in those moments of temptation, when your future is hanging in the balance, do what Jesus did. Just say, no, I will not worship you by accepting something so temporary and small when I have an incredible journey of faith ahead of me. In saying no to that temptation, you are saying yes 
to worshiping Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. And Father, I pray each and every day, Lord, that you would help us resist temptations. Lord, Satan knows our weaknesses, and he explores them every day. Father, help us to put on your full armor to defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks and to hold your word high and learn from it and glean from it and apply it to our everyday walk with you. Father, as we enter into this time of of the podcast, I pray, Father, that you would give me the words to speak to everyone. Help me to articulate it in a way uh, that you want it presented. And Father, I just pray for those who listen, that they will take it and apply it and, uh, and use it in their everyday walk with you and in their everyday worship of you. And I ask this prayer in the name that is above every name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Amen. On today's podcast, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Before we uh, continue on our uh, journey as far as planning out worship services, I wanted to go over with my worship leaders that are listening some of the things that you should never, ever, ever, never do as a worship leader. I call these the thou shall nots of worship leading. Today's podcast will be a little bit shorter than normal, but I wanted to step back a moment and spend a few moments on these things you should attempt not to do as much as possible or never at all. So here's my listing, and this is gathering information from different worship leaders and plus my own experiences, okay? And I'm going to utilize a lot of my experience in, in today's podcast, so please bear with me. So number one, the first, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not arrive late to a rehearsal. As the worship leader, you're expected to be there early and be prepared, Now, keep in mind life happens. Things during life and with family and different commitments you may have may preclude you. But please make those as far and few in between as you possibly can. Because the ones that you are rehearsing with are dependent upon you to be there to help them get prepared and to help get them started in their time of rehearsal. When you show up late on a consistent basis or or on a constant basis, then you're basically signaling to your people, well, I don't really care about rehearsing, so I'll get there when I get there and we'll pra- practice and rehearse when we get when I get there. That's setting a, setting a very bad example to the rest of your crew. Now, in my 10 years here at this particular church, I've been late maybe a handful of times, okay? Uh, Some things were unavoidable. Some things was because of sickness or health issues uh, that cropped up at the last minute, and I couldn't get there on time. People are understanding. As long as you don't make it habitual, if you consistently do it, then you're setting a bad example, and then that example is going to wear off on the rest of your, um, your choir members, praise team, worship band, whoever they may be. So please, Be prompt when you plan a rehearsal. The number two, thou shalt not think you are too good to stop practicing your skills. 
there are some worship leaders, when they get to a particular plane of leadership within their church, they feel like, I'm good. I don't have to practice. I, you know, hey, I've got this. I'll be ready to go. There have been times in my ministry I've thought the same things. And I figured, okay, I know this music good enough, and I know this track good enough. I'm ready to go. And sure enough, you get into the middle of it, and something happens that you were not aware of. And it catches you off guard, and then therefore it interrupts the flow of worship at that particular time. Now, it may be that you play a track, and you didn't know the track as well as you did. Or you're playing a song on keyboard or guitar or bass or whatever, and you keep hitting wrong notes and you transition the wrong way in between songs. That can be a big detriment. So never think you're too good not to practice. Whether it's singing, whether it's playing an instrument, we always need to be professional and we always need to um, practice what God has given us. Remember the story of the talents. You know, if you don't utilize the talents that he gives you, he could take them away from you. Uh, So always keep that in mind. Never think that you are too good to stop practicing your skills. Number three, thou shalt not just lead songs, instead lead people. I know early on in my ministry, that was my focus um, because I didn't know any better. You know, I was pretty much thrusted in. I watched different people over the years in my younger years and and just kind of emulated what they did. Um, You'd arrive on Sunday, you pick out your hymn book, and you say, okay, here's a good song, here's a good song, here's a good song. And you lead, and you lead the song. Or... If you worked under a worship leader like I did in the in the first part of my ministry, he picked out the songs and you just led them. And you didn't worry about, um, you know, leading people. Always remember, as the worship leader, whether you're the senior worship leader, whether you're the minister of music, whether you are an assistant, always remember you're leading people first and foremost. You're not leading the song. Where are you leading the people? To the foot of the cross, to Jesus. In every service that you stand before his people, you're pointing others to him, not to the song. The song will take care of itself, and if it's the right song, the Holy Spirit will utilize it to be a blessing to your folks. But when you're leading, you're leading the people on a journey to Jesus. You're helping set the table so the Holy Spirit can serve. So always keep that in mind. Number four, thou shalt not be the ultimatum leader. With some worship leaders, they, because they have the power uh, and they have the position, they think that what they say is the only thing that goes. Okay, Um, that's not a good way of leading by example. Don't be a dictator. You can be the head tater. And I've heard our pastor even say this. Hey, look, I am not a dictator. 
but I am the head tater. And what he means by that is he's not going to rule with an iron fist, but he is responsible for this church and the decisions that are being made for this church. So ultimately, he has to answer for them. The same rule applies for you as a worship leader. Don't lead with an iron fist and say, this is the song we're going to sing. This is how we're going to um, play the audio before uh, a worship service. This is how the easy worship or the pro presenter is going to be. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You have people that are trained that can help you in these ministries. If you leave with an iron fist, then guess what? They're going to be the least effective people that you have ever encountered because nobody likes to be bossed around. That happens on, 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 uh, in secular jobs a lot of the times, but in a church setting, you try to work together uh, and you try to accomplish the mission together as a team. So don't give ultimatums. Um, always be open to ideas and, and open to suggestions that these folks that work with you may give you to enhance your worship. Yes, the final decision lies on your shoulders, but you can make it a team effort and, and make it uh, all-encompassing without being iron-fisted about it. Number five, thou should not try to get famous. How many times have I turned on YouTube um, or just satellite TV or whatever and noticed these different worship leaders and the spotlight is on them? And brother, I mean, they're knocking out of the ballpark, man. They got a great voice. They know how to play the keyboards accurately. They can strum that guitar like no one's business. But the problem is the spotlight is on them. They're not really pointing anyone to Jesus. They're pointing them to themselves. Hey, sing like I sing. Smile like I smile. That's not what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. It's about him. It's about Jesus. The spotlight needs to be off of us as we point others to him. Because that's who they're worshiping. They're not worshiping you. They're worshiping Jesus. So, and a lot of these worship leaders, they they get into ministry to be famous. They want to make a name for themselves. And that's the reason they're on TV and they're on uh, YouTube and, and they're on several different uh, news and music mediums um, just to get their name out there. That's not what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of pointing people to Jesus, leading them in song, and helping them get prepared for the word that can change their life. So if you're in it to get famous, you need to do a self-check. Number six, thou should not forget the reason why you do what you are doing. That kind of correlates with what I was just talking about, about being famous. Never forget the reason you're in the position you are. Now, I realize some of you may be in a position uh, to lead worship, and it's only because you have some modicum of, 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 of musical acumen. You may have been put in this position because no one else would do it, and you don't have a clue as to, to what you're doing. That's the reason I wanted to put out this podcast is 
to help others and to understand what we do as worship leaders. It's not just to lead songs. It's to help others approach the throne of grace in the most humble way that we can and to lead others in spirit and in truth. And a lot of the times we get so called up, and I know it's happened to me, we get so caught up in the moment of the worship, we forget about who we're worshiping and why we are worshiping. It's because of Him. You're in the spot that you're in because Jesus wants you in that spot. You're called to that spot, to that position. Jesus called me to this position. We should never lose focus of who brought us here, who called us to this, and why we lead worship in our churches. Number seven, thou should not value competency over character. What do I mean by this? Suppose that in your congregation you have a concert pianist, and they know how to read music, of course, and they play that keyboard as beautiful as the angels sing in heaven. But they are as lost as a feather in a tornado. But you allow them to continue to help you out in the worship ministry because they play so wonderful. And there's just no one else in your mind that can play the way they play. So you choose the talent over the character. They go out and live their lives after church, and pretty much they don't live a Christian life. I think it's imperative that the ones that surround you and help you in worship, I don't care if they have been classically trained. I don't care if they've been uh, to the um, convention schools in Alabama or Mississippi and learn how to play piano or guitar or whatever. I don't care how much musical training they have. If they don't have Jesus in their heart and they're not in worship to point others to Jesus, then you should not you should not utilize them because that's being detrimental to what you're trying to present, taking nothing away from their talent. But I would rather have five good musicians whose hearts are right than have one great musician whose heart isn't right. So please don't place the value of competency over character. Number eight, thou shalt not be tough on people when they're doing their best. Too many times worship leaders will go out and they have people that are willing to help and, and to be a part of their worship team, but they put too much pressure on them. They are too demanding, in other words. They think that they need to be at the same level that the worship leader is at. And that may not necessarily be the case. Realize who you got working with you. Realize the talent they have, where their talent can go, and how far it can go, and work with them on that. Don't try to pull them somewhere that they're not accustomed to be and they, they're they not comfortable being. 
Because once that happens and you get that uncomfortability uh, in your team, in, in your worship, then people can sense the tenseness. And therefore, they're not going to be able to worship just like they're not going to be able to worship effectively through their play. So don't try to be, again, the dictator, be the head tater, but don't be too tough on people when they are and you know that they're doing their best uh, for the for you and the worship team. Number nine, thou shalt not make it about yourself, but make it a team effort for worship again. Be the head tater, but don't be the dictator. You have other talented musicians surrounding you, or I hope you do, that are willing to offer you suggestions and help. Look, with my praise team that I have here at the church, I always turn to them. Hey, what do you think about this? What can you suggest? How do we need to arrange it? I may have a particular way that I'll look at a song, but they can add something, uh, another element to it that I'm going, yeah, let, let, let's try that. I, I think that would do good, and let, let's rehearse that. And it turns out it's pretty good. So never be so stringent on what you want done that you won't allow other ideas and suggestions from your worship team to come into play, okay? Number 10. Thou shalt not plan alone. What do I mean by this? Well, basically, I'm talking about you and the pastor's input. Now, a lot of you worship leaders that might be listening are accustomed to putting together the worship service on your own and putting together the songs and the arrangements and what keys they need to be put in. But have you ever thought about pulling your pastor into it? Because you remember, he is the head worship leader of your church. Now, he may give you carte blanche as, as to what to present and how to present it, but still, it would be nice if you consulted with him and, and get his ideas of where the Lord is leading him and may put on his heart for song arrangements based upon what he's going to be preaching that particular service. Uh, get with your associate pastors and get their input on things. Get with your uh, worship teams, whether they are your um, uh, your your uh, worship band or whether it's a praise team, get together with them as well. Get their input on what the Lord has laid on your heart to present. Get their suggestions. Make it more of a team effort than just a Lone Ranger moment for you. Then finally, thou shalt not randomly pick songs. Again, it goes back to what I've talked about earlier in my ministry. Sometimes I would just show up on Sunday and go, okay, here's a fast song. We'll, we'll sing that one. Uh, here's a medium song, and then here's the invitation song, okay? And just pick them at random, almost like you're uh, uh, pulling numbers out of a hat for bingo or whatever. Never pick randomly. Again, consulting with your pastor, your associate pastor, or your worship team, and putting things together that will kind of help correlate um, the theme of that particular service can go a long way in helping enhance your worship service and making your congregation feel more comfortable as they worship because then they kind of follow along the path and they follow the plan of where the worship is going and things work out accordingly. So don't just randomly pick out songs. Pray over those songs. Seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. In, in what songs that you want to present, make sure they edify the church and they exalt the Lord. And if that's the case, then things, if you 
pray about it and you seek the Lord's help on it, he will surely help you each and every time. Now, as a final thought for today's podcast, there's a line from a Spider-Man movie that has resonated with me down through the years. That line says, with great power comes great responsibility. In our flesh, we may get overconfident because of the power we wield. Never forget that we are fellow servants with Christ. We serve at his discretion, and we should never let the blessing of being in a leadership role cloud our judgment. These simple suggestions will help you be a little more effective as a worship leader and as a disciple maker. Now, on the next Ministry Focus Worship Essentials podcast, we'll pick back up on planning worship services by looking at how to make a master song list. But for now, I just want to thank you for giving me some of uh, a few minutes of your time today. Until the next time, keep a song in your heart and keep Jesus in the center. So long for now.